This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hour two. Saints Jets tonight, 6.30, just after that kickoff here on WWL and the Saints Radio Network. We're also keeping an eye on the Little League World Series, the United States Championship game, and it looked like Hawaii may have scored to take a one nothing lead. But Not so fast. After review, Steve, the, the catcher <laughs> so there fast. tagged him on the foot. Heel. Right on the heel. What a play, huh? It's a great play. Yeah, the kid knew it right away. Yeah. Asked his coach to kind of challenge, and he did. So we are scoreless going to the top of the second inning. Louisiana, they just put up a graph. It became the fifth team to reach the U.S. Championship game after losing their first game. That first loss was actually to Hawaii. So the East Bank All-Stars trying to avenge that there. We'll keep you updated throughout the show today. Our Oakland Heart Rolex time is three hours and 22 minutes away from kickoff. Again, that's our Oakland Heart Rolex time here today. Steve, you're always chicken and scared about something, right? So what makes you nervous about today's game? Brought to you by Crispy Crunchy Chicken, freshly made, perfectly caged. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's obvious, uh, and I've already stated it. Um, if, if we go out as our first team unit, you know, with Drew Brees and the rest of the offense. I'm speaking offensively now. And if we go out and get off to a rough start where we have guys that are jumping off sides or we have sloppy play or, you know, uh, you know, pre-snap penalties, that kind of stuff, that sloppy stuff. And, you know, the fact that we just really don't play, you know, very, very um, tight mesh, if you will, um, offense, that's going to bother me. That's going to bother me a lot because I'm thinking at this juncture, we should be further ahead than we are, and there's really no reason that we shouldn't be. Um, uh, this team looks a awful lot like last year's team, but again, I'm not so sure. You know, every time or every year, teams change. They just they just do. It, that's just part of the part of the game. Defensively, if we can't get off blocks and and if we can't uh, make some better tackles, now look, they don't they don't practice tackling anymore. You know, which is kind of weird, but but they don't because they're just. You know they tackle this uh, this dummy thing and this ring and all this kind of weird stuff, but but that's what they have to do because they don't want to. You know, risk of injury is is uh, uh, just outweighs that at this at this juncture. So until they figure that out, well, that's what they're going to do. So game day is really the day that they tackle. So now, uh, that's why it's important today, well, though, it right? Because it it's it's, I mean, it's last, you know last rest week the, the pad level was bad. Um, footwork. I'm not talking about defensively now. The pad level was was not good. Um, Guys were, were not getting off blocks, you know. Guys were getting blocked. Guys were, uh, um, when they were tackling, they weren't wrapping up. It was just, it's there were fundamental things. But if we don't do some of those things and, and get some of that stuff cleared up this week after last week's sort of mess with that kind of stuff, uh, I'm, I would be... I would be a little disappointed. So how concerned are we right now about the defensive line and lack of pass rush? Of course, Cam Jordan hasn't gone. Uh, we're likely going to get a little bit of work today. And to me, it seems like Trey Hendrickson is outperforming Marcus Davenport. And I'm throwing up the question, I mean, objectively, you think that maybe he starts with the ones come that Monday night against Houston over Marcus just because how well he's playing? Well, you know, he certainly could. 
you know, and that doesn't mean that that Marcus is out of it. He's sure. just he's just going to be in the rotation. But look, Hendrickson, like I said, when even when he was in minicamp um, in June, um, he sort of stood by himself and was uh, kind of within himself. But at the same time, you could tell it was all because he was turned and switched on. And I could tell. I said, "Man, this guy wants to. He wants to amends for, you know, the lack season last year, year and, and and the injury that he had that sort of kept him out of all those games and sort of didn't let him develop like the rest of the draft class did. And I think that he sort of felt that and took it personally, which I'm glad that he did because, man, I'll tell you something, um, he is hell on wheels. When he's well, he can, he can flat get it. He is he has uh, got a high high motor and a lot of skills and a lot of length, and he's gotten." He's gotten kind of, uh, I want to say, he's gotten. Looks like he's gotten stronger and leaner, and and I, that's a that's a good combination to get. You know, you certainly don't want to get uh, leaner just for the fact of getting leaner and losing your strength. But he looked to me like he is uh, just as strong, if not stronger. And at the same time, he's got his motor has just gone, gone up another level. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. He put some great pressure on last week, and I mean right from the jump. So. Um, I think he's going to be ready to go this week again. And, and look, I, I'm pulling for guys like that. I love when I see guys coming back from injury like that and, and then rise it again and, and uh, you know, turn it into a starter. So, so it's you mentioned the no-nonsense, all-business attitude of him. I like that, too. And I had a couple of people uh, inside, it, it, seeing him at these post-practice press conferences, he goes, man, is, is he just kind of being a jerk? And I said, no. I, I think he's just – he wants to prove no, that he was worth where he was picked, and I love it. Look, I love it, it. It's just focus, and at the same time, some guys – just deal better uh, when they're dialed in and they're focused um, to where they don't want any outside distractions. Okay, I know what practice is over with, and they're going to talk to the media, but no, I don't want to talk to the media because right now I'm still uh, kind of got my game face on, if you will, and I'm still sort of focusing as to what you know I feel is happening here. So look, I um, I'm not going to be ready to do that yet, and look, I. That to me is is a sign of uh, of a guy that's turning into a pro from a guy that you know was a was a young player or a rookie. Indeed, they just I believe Hawaii picked off a runner at third base. This is also pending review, and if that holds, they'll go to the bottom of the second inning. No score in that Little League World Series United States Championship game. Can never get away from talking about Marcus Davenport. We need to talk about the Saints defensive line. I had a tweet at me from Greg Champagne asking you think Davenport's going to be busy today and I mean the obvious answer to that is he's got to be busy today for him Steve right for his benefit he's got to be busy today and active on that line well he needs it more than anything um, I, look I think it's great that he has come as far as he has from the standpoint of where he was last year and then obviously getting hurt and and then now sort of figuring out because typically you between your first year and second year in the pros is when you make the most improvement I mean, that just to me is, uh, you can see it. It's night and day. Um, and it's just the fact of okay, you're comfortable, you know what's going on, and now all of a sudden you can begin to react uh, physically and, and kind of know what's going on. And look, at that. this guy is a one big, long dude that, um, you know, you can tell why we drafted him number one. There's no question. We just have to find out now, you know, what are the right buttons to push on him. And um, so far, um, Ryan has done a great job of that. We'll take our first break this hour. A lot more to come. Uh, Steve Geller is going to join us, we believe, from MetLite Stadium up in New York. We've got to talk about roster cutdowns. We'll project some of the toughest battles on this team. And then, boy, the NFL preseason has just been crazy, crazier than usual. 
All that coming your way on the Acadian Windows Fans First Take. It's Saints game day here on WWL. Well, that's what we do. You heard just a, a couple of seconds ago here on WWL for hurricane season. And, well, some friends of mine at Acadian Windows, they do some stuff for you as well during hurricane season. And we all know it's important to protect your, your house and your loved ones this time of year. What if I told you you could do all of that? And also save yourself some big-time money on your energy costs. Folks, this is exactly where my friends at Acadian Windows come in. The science that go into these windows is actually out there. Talking to Robert a couple of weeks ago, and he went through all of the windows in the process and even fired some projectiles into these windows. It's incredible. They're called low-E glass. That's the science behind it. It blocks the heat and cold from entering your home. And, and I'm telling you, you kind of had us put our hands on one side of the window, and there was a big-time heat lamp. You could feel the heat, and then you go on the other side of the window. You couldn't feel a thing. Same with the cold. You'd kind of get it down. you go on the other side, and it just felt like a normal room. The science behind it is awesome, and they are specifically designed for our crazy climate down here in New Orleans and the Gulf South. Plus, these windows are backed by a lifetime warranty, which includes accidental glass breakage. So you got a kid that's playing Little League Baseball like we're watching tonight? Maybe hits the ball, throws the ball through your window. Yeah, they can replace that. Now, that's called peace of mind. They're A-plus rated by the BBB and the top-rated company in Louisiana and Mississippi. But here's the most important part. They actually really care. They're family owned by New Orleans native Craig Ricks. He's a third-generation installer whose number one priority for you is performing the work correctly. Craig and Acadian live by one rule. Treat every home as if it was their own, and they do that for you. So no matter what kind of windows you have installed in your home, office, or shop, and I mean this, no matter what kind of windows you have right now, get in touch with Acadian Windows, and they can tell you how they can save you money long-term. It's a great investment. Check them out at AcadianWindows.com. That's AcadianWindows.com, official window company. Of course, we're going up to, well, just outside of Brooklyn, actually in New Jersey today, watching some Saints football at 6.30 just after that at MetLife Stadium. And Steve Geller, our sideline reporter for WWL and the Saints Radio Network, he's going to join us here in just a little bit, Steve. Um, oh, well, we're going to have two Steves, I guess, still back-to-back uh, -back with Steve and Steve. Uh, what else are you watching for today, Court? Um, we've, we've gone over a lot of the battles, and I'm going to get confused myself yeah. with all the Steves here on the show. But, yeah, well, what are some of the other things you're watching today? Well, look, not only am I watching that, but I'm, watch, I'm going to watch the receivers because I think that's important, you know, because there's going to be some weeding out there. Um, I think I already mentioned the fact that I'm looking for returners and, and finding out sort of, you know, what that deal is, whether, you know, uh, Cheryl's needs to come back because uh, that's the reason we brought him in here. But um, certainly need to see, if, you know, when, when he's back. Um, and then I'm looking, again, uh, defensively. I was so disappointed last week when I saw that just real, real sloppy tackling and not getting off blocks and, you know, poor pad level and, and just sort of technically all the things that you would love to see as an offensive lineman, a defense doing, <laughs> we were defensively. And, uh, and we were getting gashed, and I hated watching that. So um, that to me is first and foremost is, you know, defensively what I'm looking at. That, that's the stuff that – that bothers me worse, especially at this juncture of the year when you should be um, sort of further on down the line than that. Now, offensive line-wise, um, look, I don't know which guys they're going to be putting in and, and some of the things they're going to be doing, but um, those guys need to step up, you know. And, and I, again, I was a little bit disappointed. Their hand placement last week was not good. Um, they, 
they didn't play as cohesive as they needed to play, which sort of bothered me. And I think some guys turned some guys loose, which really bothers me. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. That that just can't happen. And uh, and these are veteran ball players. These aren't these aren't young guys. So um, that that really sort of bothered me. And and uh, until we kind of get that fixed, um, now I know Rousher will. Great great coach. There's no question. So he'll get it he'll get it handled and and I know that uh, that they'll get the best guys out there. You and I talked about that offensive line group during on my show this week and and I've just been debating with you and then with Zach yeah. who's who's actually going to make this roster and it, it seems like Michael Ola and uh, Cameron Tom are pretty solid locks to make this and I guess it's that final spot Steve if I have this right that it's kind of up for grabs. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and I think it's gonna it's coming down to, you know, Will Clapp and Easton and uh, you know, um uh, Marcus Henry, you know, who I think is terrific, he's got great feet and uh you know, watch him and I just can't believe that he's not he's gonna have to be on somebody's ball club, there's no question. But again, I those are guys that you wish you could keep because you know how you know, sometimes the you know, what happens with the uh, you know injuries and what long along the long, long scrimmage you, you begin to make sure that you want to have enough guys that are backups that are willing to sort of can swing enough in positions and know the game and know the offense and things like that so these guys will be on a short list for sure so when they do get released so yeah. they'll be back <laughs> should that guy that happen but look Andrus Pete um, has really been fighting through some stuff and and again I think he's uh, sort of well on his way to sort of being a really good player you know there at, at left guard so I'd like to see him stay there and I'd like to see Armstead really get it'd be great to see Armstead get 16 games I mean that would be first time in his career that would yeah, be that would happen yeah uh, that would be terrific so um, you hope for all those things but um, until that happens um, you're gonna have to be able to to uh, to play uh you know, to start moving your chess pieces around. I think when Nick Easton was signed this offseason, all of us were kind of scratching our heads going, man, you gave that much money to a guy who hasn't performed well uh, so far in his career. Four years, $22 million. Now, yeah. only $4 million of that was guaranteed, including a yeah. $2 million signing bonus. So they could cut him. Here's, here's the thing. If they cut him, and I'm not saying they won't cut him, but if they do cut him, it's going to cost them actually a little more against the salary cap. They can spread it out, but maybe a little more against the salary cap than his $2 million hit right now because of, well, they'd have to pay that whole guarantee out right away, which is interesting. Now, they might do that just to free it up later on in the books so they can spread it out. Mickey Loomis does that yeah. well. That's going to be interesting to watch. Well, again, and I don't know. Uh, I was a little I was a little surprised by it. And then, you know, talking with my buddy Zach, I mean, at the same time, he and I had a little bit difference of opinion on, on the guy. You know, and, and again, um, you know, I'm pro player. I want the guy to, to be successful here, and I want the, you know, the picks that they, you know, obviously pick up from free agency to be successful here. But nevertheless, from from my eyes telling me, from what I can tell, this, the way Steve Gordon looks at offensive linemen and the things they do, you know, and, and I guess Zach and I kind of went back and forth about it, and he said, well, you'll, you know, I think you'll be surprised when he gets pads on. And, and then he got pads on, and, and I'm like, I'm still waiting for the surprise. <laughs> so, so. Anyway, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, yeah we will see how it shakes out. And people have asked me the problems on the offensive line. You kind of laid out yeah. there. I mean, they're all evident to us, and even more evident to, to guys who played the position or played on the offensive line before. Is this just a product of Max Unger? Is there deeper than that? Is is he was he that important to this? No, group? look, he was very important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, Las Vegas, you know, <laughs> changes their line according to how the starting center is. If you had to replace your starting center, it changes the line. <laughs> so, and for a very good reason. But 
Yeah, it's very valuable, but at the same time, it shouldn't be at this juncture with who we've got plugged in there. Um, and sort of as a quick study as this kid is, and as smart as he is, and plus he's surrounded by two guards that are really going to help him a lot, you know. And then, you know, when they're well, we got the best tackles in the league. Mm-hmm. So this is really sort of a, you know, a top five offensive line, arguably probably a top two or three uh, when everybody begins to sort of play in concert. So uh, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And, again, this is going to be a lot on McCoy, especially as a rookie. He's going to have to double time it. There's no question. He's going to have to to grow up quick, okay? And, and I don't know how to put it any other way, but he's going to have to um, – Kind of learning on the job. Well, it is exactly what it is. And, and look, they've, they've got him in there for a reason. Um, but he, I, I'll say this, too. He has the right personality to handle that. He's kind of a low-key guy. He doesn't say a whole lot. He soaks up things. He listens a lot, which I really like. And he kind of reminds me of uh, kind of a sawed-off ram check. He's, he's not, I like that. You know, sawed-off ram check. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he <laughs> like kind of has that same kind of mentality. And, look, if we can if he can replicate Ryan Ramchek at the center position, whew, we're in a good spot. No doubt about it. All-pro Ramchek last year, second-teamer over on the right side. He's Steve Cord. I'm Seth Dunlap. Love for you to get in the conversation here with us at 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870 as we await Saints game day on WWL. Again, Saints-Jets up at MetLife Stadium at 6.30 just after it tonight. Can't wait for that. Uh, first time, Steve, since 2006 that the Saints played the Jets in the preseason. It's going to be pretty fun, right? Yeah, it's going to be different. I mean, I, I've played a lot of games in the Meadowlands. Now, I know it's a little bit different venue than that, but I think it's right next door to where they was, where the Meadowlands was. So it's, you know, within a decent – you know, golf shot from there, but um, look, it's a unique place, and, and the Jets fans are are unique in and of themselves. It's it's a total different um, mentality than the Giants fans, and I've been up there both occasions, and you know, the Giants fans are kind of this maybe sophisticated Manhattan types that seem kind of <laughs> like they're yeah, you know, a little uppity with what they've got going on, and and then these Jets fans are. Uh, street urchins man i mean it's it's uh they would take it they would take our our program out and look at each guy's face mm-hmm. and then find him on the field as during our stretch and yell your name out okay with just the most vile absurdities you could ever imagine you know and tell you all the things they're you know you're doing with your mom and all the things that they're doing i mean and it's hecklers look, this hecklers. is like 11 o'clock in the morning and these people are Three sheets to the wind. Hey, I mean, it's so. It's, New York fans there. Uh, we got to go to tough. news back in 60 seconds. CBS News Update. There are a lot of disagreements between President Trump and leaders at the G7 summit in France on everything from climate change to international trade. European Council President Donald Tusk says the trade dispute between the U.S. and China isn't doing anything to help the world economy. Trade wars among G7 members will lead to eroding the already weakened trust among us. CBS News correspondent Paula Reed in France. Historically, this event has been a symbol of international cooperation. But today, these leaders are divided on pretty much every issue from Iran to trade. And President Trump arrives here in France in an increasingly isolated position, just at a time when he could use some international support for his trade war with China. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he's worried about the problems between the U.S. and China and says he will urge Mr. Trump to de-escalate the trade war between the two nations. CBS News Update. 
I'm Allison Keys. All right, welcome back to the show. Roster cutdowns loom for the Saints. That'll happen in a week or so. We're projecting some of the toughest battles. And if you've got a question for Steve Court about anything Saints, about those roster battles, give us a call, 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Let's go to tight end, Steve, a position we haven't talked yeah, about a lot. That's sure. because Jared Cook's holding it down. Behind him, you have Josh Hill. Who's going to be the third guy? You have Alizé Mack. You have Dan Arnold, who has not been well uh, looking good, at least in game action this preseason. How do you think this this gets chopped down? Well, I can tell you by looking at looking at it, there's there's a big difference between uh, between Jared Cook. That was probably, in my mind, um, probably the best acquisition that we've had this offseason for sure. Uh, to me, I think I, I don't know. To me, I think he's going to be a guy that that you know goes over a thousand yards as a tight end. Um, and I, I think always, he has like look, a kid. I, I, look, I, I always thought. Look, I, when he's in Oakland, I always thought that he was a guy that was so close to being one of those breakout tight ends that you thought, man, this guy's you know going to be in that sort of Gron- Gronkowski Kittle type of a um, you know the guy from KC uh, Kelsey, yeah, in kind of that area like that. And he's probably number four, you know. And then, and then he would kind of just fade away, and and I never could understand why. And obviously, it has a lot to do with the makings of the offense and and who's throwing the ball to him. So he comes here, and guess who's throwing the ball to him? So, and the fact that I know that the way that Sean Payton utilizes tight ends and the way that Drew Brees likes to use the tight end, I can't think of anything great but this guy having just a lot of being a lot of production. I'm just hoping that he stays healthy. That's the number one thing about him that I'm hoping that. Um, you know, the, as we get further in the season, that he just keeps staying healthy. You know, you opened the show talking about how, how tough it is, the human side of these cutdowns. Yeah. And Sean, I asked Sean Payton directly in the post-practice press conference, is this really tough for you, the human side of it? It's always probably one of the hardest parts of the job, you know. And I've been in their shoes probably at least three or four different times, been released, you know, when I was younger. And, um some of the players that get released, you know, there's a good chance they're going to end up coming back through the doors here. We talk about that. Um, and then some of the players, maybe not so much. But um, that part never changes, really. And um, you know, these guys have put a lot in, you know, starting in the winter with all the, the conditioning and the weightlifting. There's a lot of investment, and so it's, it's difficult. Yeah, and he's paid a lot. And a lot of people listening going, well, I'm, you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Sean. He's making so much money. He's paid to do it. Sure, but you could almost see the pain and feel the pain in his voice no, when like, he's talking about it. I don't care how much it. you get paid. It's just, you know, the guy's, the guy's a human being, you know, and a very thoughtful, you know, heartfelt human being. This, you know, this is a hard business at that point. It's hard to sit there and end dreams of guys that this is all they've done their whole life is to get this shot and then to sort of be the guy that ends those dreams. God, I, come on. you, you got to be – if you can't understand that, <laughs> you need to check it from the neck up. You know, I mean, that, yeah, that that's uh, that's case in point. Here's a great text from the 504. Steve is a natural diplomat. The simple fact is that Jets fans are deranged lunatics. That goes back <laughs> to the well, last yeah, look, segment we were talking look, about. That's look, a good text. I could have I could have gone on and on about that. I mean, you'd have if I could have if this had been not a G-rated show, <laughs> I would have told you the things that you curled your hair. I mean, it was some of the un- almost unbelievable stuff I've ever heard in my life. Were they know? the worst fans? Was it Philly? Where, where, what was the worst fans you had? Uh, Philly had bad fans, but uh, Jets fans were, yeah, they were right in there. Unique with, breed. Yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. You know who's gotten that Jets way fans. to me? And I'm, I might get myself in trouble saying this, but look, no. we're, we're just on down here locally. Um 
Boston fans now. I think the last decade and a half when they've had so much success, they're so entitled to me. They're so entitled. And look, there are many well, nice look, guys and gals that, up there. Uh, but look, goodness. I can remember that Calm debacle down. when we went to, to uh, Chicago for that playoff game. And that was uh, that was not too nice. I couldn't believe that the Chicago people acted that way. It just shocked me. But they did. You know, and that, that shocks yeah. me too, really. Yeah, it, it did. It. it was absolutely horrible. I think you think of passionate football fans there, but you know, just me from the outside, never haven't been through it. Yeah. I think of Chicago as being educated, but not you know vindictive or vicious towards yeah. guys. Well, you can rest assured they were. They were all that, <laughs> you know. all that, and probably a lot more there. Five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. Our text line is eight seventy eight seven. If you want to hop in on the Acadian Windows fans first take here on WWL, check in on the Little League World Series in Williamsport and Louisiana and Hawaii in the United States Championship game. Still tied, no score. Here's a bloop, a bloop hit into right field and a diving shoestring catch by Reese Roussel puts the second out on the board. Well, that was a pretty good time to check in on that, uh, of course. That was a pretty nice play there, huh? <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, it was a pretty Perfect good play. timing, yeah. No, no doubt. So no score there. Two outs for Hawaii. They do have a runner on in the bottom of the third inning. Let's go to the phone lines. Josh, well, welcome into the show, Josh. Uh, Josh, you're on the air. Uh, you want to talk to Steve Court and I. What's up? Yeah, so, um, Steve, I'm wondering what is going on with uh, Marcus Davenport. He's a huge investment and uh, it's going to be a big piece, but he seems to be getting buried behind Trey Hendrickson. And um, as a, you know, what, what in your opinion is, yeah. is, is either holding him back or does he need to do to, to make a leap? Yeah, look, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's not a um, – he's not getting buried behind Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson is, is sort of fighting for his own job. But, look, you, this is, you have to understand this. This is, a, um, a, this is going to be a change of a thing. So you're looking for a guy – opposite of of Cam Jordan. So if when we earn earn pass rush situations, all three all three of those guys may be in. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they put those guys in. They'll just slide Davenport down over the guard and they'll put in Hendrickson over the over the tackle or the tight end. So I don't I don't see that really being that much of an issue, but I do know it's taken him a little bit longer to catch on just from the standpoint he got hurt last year, which really set him back. I mean it set him back a lot. And again, it depends on how young guys, especially young guys, come back from injury. Um, sometimes there takes some time for them to have that confidence that they once had to have that step, to have that explosion, to have that, um, you know, sort of um, hell bent for leather attitude that you have to have when you come crashing in there. And because you think you're going to, in the back of your mind, there's this thing that you're going to get hurt again. And until he actually sort of replicates that same injury he has, from either getting hit on it or, you know, whatever. Like mine was a knee. I had to get my knee landed on again. And then I jumped up and realized I was okay. So, but once that happened, it was like, okay, now I'm good to go. And now, again, everybody's different in how they handle that kind of stuff. So it's taken him a while to get there, but I can say this. He looks different this year than he did last year. He is so much more decisive in what he does. He's stronger. He's able to use his strength and his speed much better than he did last year. So, look, he was on pace last year to do some pretty good things. So, if he can continue on that same path the where you know from where he left off, he's better than he was last year, believe it or not. So, I, I wouldn't read too much into the Hendricks thing, Hendrickson thing yet with, with you know him getting buried behind that. I think that for sure we're going to keep both of them. But at the same time, I, I certainly think that, that Davenport's still on his way. 
A great question, Josh. Thanks for listening. And just to piggyback off that, Steve, a lot of people will look, you know, online pro football reference and go, oh, what did Marcus Davenport do last year? They see four and a half sacks and they go, well, yeah, it was okay. But they might not realize, like you said, those four and a half sacks came in the first eight games of the year before he got hurt. Exactly. I mean, he was on pace for nine sacks, almost a double-digit rookie year, exactly. which would have put him in the rookie of the year conversation. Absolutely. So, and again, again, it's the same thing. So, you know, you can look at it that way, but it's not as, it's not what the tales tell you. Yeah, no doubt about it. Steve Court, Seth Dunlap here on the Acadian Widows Fans First Take. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's, let's talk about this NFL crazy preseason. It's been incredible. We'll do that. Helmet Gate, 80-yard field in Winnipeg, Baker versus everybody, Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, boy. We'll do that when we come back here on the Acadian Windows Fans First Take on WWL. Out a little bit, Steve. This preseason has been nuts. It's been nuts across the NFL. Boy, has it ever. The craziest of the crazy. Yeah, I even told you. I said, I like preseason football now more than no football at all, right? Mm -hmm. But some of the stuff that went on this year is off the chain. Off the chain. Yeah, I just. (laughs) No doubt. You and I were doing our first show when the news broke about Antonio Brown's helmet, the helmet gate, right? He was going to retire from the NFL. That went away. And then we thought he was going to play. And then, well, he still got a grievance, I guess, with his team, the Oakland Raiders, saying that, well, I'm not going to practice because I like this helmet. We're taking it up. This isn't going away. Now, one guy who I guess has his players back, and I guess the only thing he could say was something like this from John Gruden. It's not been a distraction to me at all. I mean, I hate to break it to anybody, but we, we've known what the status is regarding his feet. He just showed up with frostbite. I've never had a guy show up with frostbite. And this grievance thing is, is no laughing matter. It's something that's really important to him. And there's nothing wrong with supporting your players on things that they believe in. We also understand the league's position, but I'm confident that he's going to be a heck of a player for us and be ready to roll. Well, look, I, the Boy, one thing I bark on the company line there. <laughs> I was going to say, I, the only thing I agree with this year, there's nothing wrong with supporting your players, but the rest of that was yeah, just nonsense. that's just a bunch of company jargon. Look, yeah. I, you know, nothing wrong with supporting the player. Yeah, support the player for the right thing. Look, the, Antonio Brown's a terrific talent, okay? Can't take anything away from that. But first of all, he's not a rocket scientist, okay? I mean, you come in with – frostbitten feet because you decided not to follow the instructions of the cryogenic unit well that's on you that's on you okay you're a professional you're supposed to uh, take care of yourself and not allow this kind of stuff to happen second part of it is you know i didn't find anybody else in this whole league complaining about their helmet when everybody's helmets had to change doesn't matter who you are what you would breeze had to change his helmet that was a big story last year yeah and guess what he didn't say anything about it and if he did say anything about it, it was probably like, eh, well, I don't like it, but I'll get used to it. And you haven't heard anything since, right? Not a word? Not a word. Well, this guy is like this prima donna something that decides that he's going to make a big stink about his helmet. Man, put your helmet on and play. Just shut up. I get so <laughs> tired of that crap. No doubt. So there's that. Then this last week on Thursday, we go up north of the border. They try to get preseason games up there once a year or so. Yeah. And they're playing in Winnipeg. It's yeah, the Raiders who we were just talking about against the Packers. And lo and behold, right before the game starts, Packers notice, well, look at the end zones. There's a hole where the goalposts are for the CFL. The CFL goalposts are moved up a little bit. <laughs> So they tried to just patch over it on the AstroTurf. The Packers weren't happy. The Raiders weren't happy. The NFL wasn't happy. So if you missed this, long story short, 
they played on an 80-yard field. They moved the pylons up the first ones to the 10-yard line. The back of the quote-unquote end zone was the goal line. I mean, this was a fiasco of the highest order. That was crazy. I've never seen anything like that. you got to figure out how to, how to change that. I mean, that they got to find a better way. If they're going to have to do that, they're going to have to find a better way to, to plug up the goalpost holes. I mean, that, that's sort of the bottom line here because you can certainly make a 100-yard field out of it. But at the same time, you know, if you can't make it safe for the players to play, I'd, I'd say ditch that. You yeah. know, that was like one-time experiment. We're not going north of the border anymore if you no, can't fix that. Not to Winnipeg, anyways. No, and look, I, I put my fingers at the NFL for that one a little bit, too. you got to take better care that things are going to be done the right way when you go north of the border. Then, of course, so that's you know number two. Then, of course, this last week we had an NFL starting quarterback. I've never seen this happen before. An NFL starting quarterback taking shots at a, another quarterback in the league in a big-time way. That's Baker Mayfield going after Daniel Jones, saying, can't believe the Giants drafted him. He's not a winner and all sorts of stuff. That was in an article in Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Baker takes the time to respond, saying, oh, no, I've, you know, I've said those things, but it was just taken out of context. It was on the lines of me talking about evaluating and the college frustration of me not getting offers and saying that winning comes first if you're a quarterback. And, you know, I can absolutely understand the relation to that, and there's no question about it, which is why I felt like reaching out to Daniel. But that's the type of thing that frustrates me because it, it was taken out of context, and then on top of that, now we're talking about something that's not about the Browns. Well, you, you started this. This is a Again, your fault, Baker, right? I, I have no sympathy for the out-of-context argument here at all. No, that's almost as bad as an anonymous. You know, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, look, if you're going to say that kind of stuff, own it and, and say why you said it. But why would you say something like that anyway? I don't, I don't get it. It's, uh, I don't do that in this he's industry. Got a, he's, got enough, uh, he's got enough things to worry about. without having to worry about why some team took a – uh, a player I, I don't understand that a quarterback and somebody's in the same position I don't get that at we, all. we we talked about unwritten rules I think that's in any industry like I said um I have never and I guess some people get into this I'm not taking shots at other radio hosts who I might think are not good or something I mean it's just bad this is your fraternity look, we right can don't sit do here, that. look we could sit here and do that all day I watch guys on <laughs> right. tv that are you know, on a radio at the same time you know, simulcast type things and uh, a little less to podcast all the time and I'm thinking you know these guys are a bunch of talking heads they really don't know you know they haven't you know <laughs> Did they forget? You know, you know, but at the same time, I'm not going to – I don't have any business calling these guys out. Yeah, here's Daniel Jones responding to Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure I would do it that way, but I don't know. Everyone's got a different way of doing things. And, and like I said, my focus is here. Our focus is here. You know, I think I speak for the team. Where we're very focused on what we're doing here and making sure we're, we're ready to play. You know, going into the season. All right. Pretty much shut that down, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. In a classy way. Yeah. That was, that was pretty <laughs> and good. And look, I like, I like Baker Mayfield. I, I As a quarterback, he's – kid's got some moxie i mean i kind of like him he's uh he puts it out there and uh and then he goes out and plays with this tremendous uh amount of enthusiasm and uh youthful vigor i i like him i do too been a crazy crazy nfl preseason and taking us to break speaking of crazy maybe the craziest agent out there drew rosenhaus defending antonio brown we will continue to work very closely with the raiders i'm not sure that we agree that we've exhausted all the options as mike mayock said there's no doubt it's still an ongoing process we are trying to work with the team and the league and the union to come up with the solution we haven't figured it out yet he ain't gonna figure it out come on Drew Rosenhaus. <laughs> Put a spin on it. Well, 
We're watching Louisiana and Hawaii play Little League World Series, United States Championship game, and a heck of a baseball game going on right now. Scoreless in the bottom of the fourth inning, two out, nobody on for Hawaii. We'll keep you updated. Let's go to the phone lines. Keith and Harvey, welcome into the show. Yes, sir. I have a question for Steve. Okay. It's been said that preseason is a mirage. I'm sure you've heard that many, many sure. times. But, but what I don't believe is a mirage, and you correct me if I'm wrong, the offensive and defensive line play, you can't play half speed or you also get hurt. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, no, you're correct in saying that, but but here here's the thing. Here's the only difference. The only difference is, in other words, instead of me, you know, um, finishing my block to where I'm trying to just smash this nose tackle into the ground the whole time, I kind of hold him up, you know, and the same thing is if he sees a player – coming into the back of my legs he's not going to push me over that player uh that type of thing but no as far as everything else goes you 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 got to go full speed because yeah if you get landed on you're you're and nobody really is going half speed i can tell you that nobody's going half speed it's not like the guys aren't tackling you know the you know with their full capabilities they are they have to um so it's not as it's not as tailed back as you would think it is one more half hour of the Acadian Windows Fans First Take coming up. Christian Garrick, Bob Yeber will join us live in studio to tell us what's going on on Countdown to Kickoff that starts in about a half an hour. We'll get yeah. to the biggest things to watch today. reason it was uh, he thinks it's a mirage is the fact that, hey, they're not all the starters are playing all the time on mm-hmm. each side. They're sort of, you don't know what you got. So there's this mismatch of people that you're looking at because you're trying to evaluate instead of win the game. Yeah, good points. Also, your Houdat chance, bottom of the hour. Court, Bear, Garrick, we'll judge you. Yeah, we'll do that each. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.